Hello, Frighters. I'm Holland Elise, and this is Fight or Fright. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Fight or Fright. And before I get into today's case, with everything going on and all the seriousness, I already put out a bonus episode saying my piece on what is going on in the Black community. I still stand with you. Black Lives Matter. I love you all. And But I felt maybe I'll start off this episode with a little bit of a more lighthearted note. Maybe put some smiles on people's faces if they've ever been in the online dating world. And now I'm going to tell you two of my online dating stories. And hopefully you can get a chuckle out of this in these crazy times with COVID and everything that's going on. So some of my dating stories, Tinder is probably the worst. (laughs) But (laughs) so... I literally had this guy match with me on online dating and we were talking about the Myers-Briggs and he told <laughs> and this... I'm sorry, I'm Holland Spruce <laughs> and I know this story and it's hilarious. Keep listening. <laughs> so, so we're talking about Myers-Briggs and I couldn't remember mine offhand so I took one of those like free like website online ones and I told him what I ended up getting. And he told me <laughs> that he wasn't interested in dating me or talking to me anymore because his ex-girlfriend had the same Myers-Briggs as me and he didn't want to date me for that reason. So <laughs> that was interesting. And then literally just yesterday, I had a guy match with me to then do a throw up emoji and then block me. So online dating's weird, guys. It's weird. And there is some crazy fuck I've I've had more stories than that. But what's funny is today I was I like I matched with someone on Tinder and they're like you're like cute, you're beautiful, like blah 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 and he he used the words beautiful and hot. Those are the only two words he used. And Tinder's like, we see some inappropriate messages here. And I was like, Tinder. There's a guy that was like, hey, sexy in a message right before that. And you're offended by hot and beautiful? Like, what the fuck? Anyway, hopefully you can get a laugh out of those like I did, because I think that my best online dating story is probably that Myers-Briggs one. It's pretty fucking great. But now, after that laugh, we're going to get into a very interesting, mysterious, wibbly-wobbly-timey-wimey in the past case. So today we're going to talk about Francis and Charlie Silver. Charlie and Francis were like seemingly just this perfect couple. Charlie was strong and athletic, while Francis was kind and beautiful. They seemed to complement each other very well. And I mean, it was the 1830s. So they were kind of just like, oh, you live near me? We can't really go very far. So 
and they were 18 and 19 years old. They were also new parents to a baby girl named Nancy. And this young family was basically just just starting their lives on the mountains of Burke County, North Carolina. Charlie had faced a lot of tragedy from the time he was born. This is because his mother died giving birth to him. I mean, in the fucking olden days, people died from like a splinter or something. Like it like anything could kill you and especially childbirth. Childbirth was really dangerous in the past. So sadly, his mom died giving birth to him. From what I saw in the research, Charlie's father didn't skip a beat and remarried when he was still pretty young. And Charlie had a decent amount of step-siblings. And in my research, from what I saw, he got along with his family really well. His stepbrother Alfred said that he was pretty close to all of them. And I mean, Alfred didn't say this, but the family wasn't short on cash either. Charlie's father did, did well. And Frances, her maiden name was Frances Stewart. And when she was six, her family moved to the mountains of North Carolina. The Stewarts lived on like the other side of the mountain of the Silvers from what I could see in the articles that I read. And Alfred, Charlie Silver's stepbrother, also spoke about Frankie and said that she was beautiful and well-liked both in the family and community. She was a well-liked person. And now that we have an idea of the players in the story, I kind of want to speak a little bit about what it was like in America and specifically Burke County in the 1930s. So basically, women were property. I mean, there's really no other way to put it. It was not uncommon for a man to beat or murder his wife and face absolutely no consequences. I mean, it's not that hard to realize that this is the way things were at that time. It's different from now, but it's still not perfect now for for women. So I wouldn't say it's great, but it's not that far a leap to guess that in the 1830s, women were basically property. People would know that stuff was going on, that like a man would slap his wife to punish her for something that happened, but they would keep quiet because they'd push it under the rug. It wasn't their business and they knew what was going on. So now let's get to that fateful night of December 22nd, 1831, which by the way, shout out December 22nd's my birthday. Obviously I wasn't born in 1831, But I love birthdays, so I felt the need to add that. (laughs) So we know that Charlie was killed on the night of December 22nd, 1831. But we will probably never know the full set of circumstances that led to the axe murder that was committed. I've seen two stories. So one was that Charlie was out hunting by himself. And the other was that Frankie and Charlie were both hunting. I think either is possible, but it's also possible and there's a strong likelihood that Frankie and Charlie went to a cabin that they had. And while Charlie was hunting, Frankie stayed at the cabin. Either way, when Charlie didn't come back from his hunting trip, his family became worried because it was close to the holidays and he would never miss this time with his family. 
While Frankie was out of the cabin and wasn't there, a man named Jack Collis went to the cabin to take a look around. And to his horror, in the fireplace, he found bone fragments. Under the floorboards, he discovered blood. And that wouldn't be the last of the gruesome discoveries. This is just gross. But Charlie's head and torso were discovered outside the cabin. The interesting thing on this story is that one of Charlie and Frankie's descendants has moved to North Carolina and decided that he was going to do everything he could to discover what happened that night. So we're kind of able to pull from some research that he's done. His name is Wayne Silver. And along with many others in the family, he does not believe that this was a premeditated murder. So... In the article I read, Wayne said that after some research, he believes that the night's events could have gone as follows. Charlie, after hunting, went out to buy some alcohol for the holidays coming up. And, I mean, like most people would, decided that some of that alcohol should go to him. I mean, he just bought it. So he came home drunk. And by the time he got home, he was drunk and Frankie and him got into an argument and with all of the complaining, a small little baby, just the tensions were running very high. And so the argument got worse and worse. And then it's believed that Charlie could have then threatened Frankie and she took matters into her own hand and was scared for the life of her and her baby. And so as I spoke to earlier, it was a male dominated society. So I mean, what else is an 18-year-old going to do? An 18-year-old is like still practically a child. So it's believed that she called her mom for help. And then after she called her mom, her mom and her brother Blackston came and did what they could to help her cover up the crime. And sadly and disgustingly by that, I mean the dismemberment and burning of Charlie's body. They thought it would be best to just say that he never came back and just wipe their hands of it. So that's where Jack Collis comes in and he finds all of the leftover evidence. So on January 9th, 1832, Frankie, Barbara, and Blackston were arrested in connection to the murder of Charlie Silver. Frankie's father, Isaiah Stewart, went to the police and informed them that his family was being held illegally and without cause. So the police let Barbara and Blackston go, but they felt they had enough to keep Frances, so she had to stay in jail. In this time, I mean, this is just how bad it was for women at this time, a woman wasn't able to take the stand in her own defense. Her father and her attorney pleaded not guilty and wanted to make the prosecution prove Frankie's guilt. They felt that the prosecution didn't have enough to prove without reasonable doubt that she was guilty and that she did this. So they were going to try and make the prosecution just prove that she was guilty. They said not guilty and then put it to the, then they put it to the defense or then they put it to the prosecution to prove that she was guilty, which it is on the prosecution to prove that. So The jury was actually deadlocked nine to three in favor of acquitting Frankie. Because they were deadlocked, they 
asked to hear some of the witnesses again, the witnesses were not separated and were able to mingle and talk to each other. And then after they spoke with each other, it seems from all the articles that I read that their testimonies started becoming more shaky and changing a little bit to what they were before. So then Frankie was found guilty of murdering Charlie, her husband. And so once Frankie was found guilty, she was sentenced to death. But obviously, like any defense team, she appealed that verdict. But the Supreme Court upheld this verdict and she was sentenced to death by hanging. Her last chance was a pardon from the governor, but that never came. In my research, it was said that he was getting pressure on both sides, both in favor of Frankie and both in favor of the death penalty. So to kind of like get himself away from it and everything, he said that he didn't get the paperwork in time. I mean, I only saw this in one article and can't like completely verify it. But like from what I saw in that article, he was trying to appease both sides that were arguing with him and trying to get him to do two different things. And so that everyone was happy, I get question mark. Like he just didn't do anything and tried to cover his ass. So after the Supreme Court upheld the verdict, something fucking nuts happened. On May 18th, 1833, Isaiah broke Frankie out of jail. And from what I read, people thought it was an inside job. They felt there was no other way to explain her escape. She stayed on the run for eight days, but then they ended up capturing her again. But this recapture had a really odd effect. So women were on Frankie's side, and there was a lot of outcry in Frankie's support. And there were a lot of women that were very wealthy and of high status in the community that were writing letters to the governor asking him to pardon Frankie and speaking on her behalf. Sadly, as I said before, this outcry did nothing and she was hung for the murder of her husband. Before she died, her dad said, die with it in ye, Frankie. Like, what the fuck does that mean? Die with it in you? Die with what in you? The truth? Die with dignity? Die with your religious beliefs? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> what? Die with what in you? But one thing I will say is in researching, I saw that Charlie's family is of the belief that he was killed for the land that his family gifted him when he married Frankie. Maybe he died meant die with like the truth like why this happened like don't tell them everything I, I don't I don't know that's why this case is so interesting because you don't know what like you don't know what they're talking about he just says it and it could it's something that could mean anything and have so many meanings so that was a little weird but also another thing I found was a poem that Frankie recited before she died. And it's fucking morbid, but it's called the Frankie Confession. And it goes, this dreadful, dark, and dismal day has swept my glories all away. 
My sun goes down, my days are past, and I must leave this world at last. Oh, Lord, what will become of me? I am condemned, you all now see. To heaven or hell, my soul must fly, all in a moment when I die. Fucking morbid, am I right? Like, that's just, like, so eerie. And people have turned this poem into songs. Like, you can, like, YouTube and everything, like, hear people, like, that have turned this into songs. And it's just, like, and it's just eerie. But another thing that I found, and this is probably the saddest thing about what I found, is that the court clerk, B.S. Gaither, said there was definitely evidence that Charlie was abusing Frankie. And Gaither believed that if the defense had Frankie admit guilt and then spoke to the abuse and stated self-defense, there's a high probability she would have gotten off either with nothing or a slap on the wrist if they had just gone that way and not had her plead not guilty. And so I'm going to end by talking about Nancy and what happened to their daughter, Nancy. There is sadly not a lot about her childhood, but there's articles and there's sources that say that she lived with the Silvers. There's sources that say she lived with the Stewarts. I could not verify or find anything, but obviously you know it had to be horrible because she grew up without both of her parents and both of them died. And were killed. So either way, that's horrifying and very sad. What I did find is that she married a man named David Parker. And from all accounts and from everything I read, it was a very happy marriage. But David Parker was killed during the Civil War, leaving Nancy devastated and with young children. Her young children were raised by others. They were not raised by Nancy when they were younger. And it wasn't until later in life that they reunited with Nancy. They reunited when Nancy moved to Macon County, North Carolina, and married a man named William C. Robinson in the 1870s. They had one son. His name was Commodore Robinson. Personally, not my, my favorite name, but... That's his name, Commodore Robinson. And according to Nancy's great-granddaughter, Wanda Adams Henry, sadly, William Robinson, in this account, raped Nancy's daughter, and she chased him off and changed her name back to Nancy Parker and never married again and just moved on with her life and got rid of William Robinson forever. So... That is the weird, fucked up story of Frankie and Charlie Silver. Sorry if this episode's a little bit shorter. It's old timey and not easy to find a lot of information, but I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you did enjoy it, please rate, review, subscribe, follow me on social media, and I will see you next week. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Fight or Fright. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Fight or Fright Pod and on Gmail at Fight or Fright Pod at gmail.com. Twitter is the only one that's a little bit different in there, and that's 
at Fight Fright Pod. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would really appreciate it. And it would really help me if you rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Even just spreading the word to family, friends, people you know that enjoy true crime, mysteries, paranormal, all of that kind of stuff. And this is Holland, and I'll see you next week when I tell you another crazy story. And remember, you don't have to fight this fright.